Y'all enjoy that.
Amen. Because sometimes, you know, I got so many things going on, I don't get everything covered that I need to get covered, amen, administratively. But I thank God for our staff. Amen. Let, let, let's have our staff to stand.
as we know God is in the midst. Amen. Operating. But this morning, you know, just doing our time away and just meditating on the word that he has put in my spirit before I left. You know, and just, just praying, amen, and, and thinking on, you know, what he dropped in my spirit. I came to some sobering conclusions. I'm always coming to some kind of conclusion. Amen. But a sobering conclusion that there's really not nothing new in and of itself, but maybe just a a, a, a new way, a new perspective of, of looking at, you know, things a little bit differently, amen, and an old problem that I believe is, has been in the body of Christ and is still here, amen, and in a nutshell, it's just simply the, the fact is the issue of really knowing who we are, truly knowing who we are, spiritual, our spiritual identity, and understanding that. And I believe the more we understand that, the more we get that, amen, the better we're able to walk it out like God wants us to walk it out. But there's, there's just some, some things that cause us to not believe it sometimes, and we miss it. And, and it's not even intentional, but, you know, because we live in a, a tangible world, a natural world, it's kind of hard sometimes to focus on things that are spiritual. Amen. It remained that once you walk out of the church house and you get on that job where things are getting on your nerves and you get home where things ain't working right or you, you go to the doctor and they tell you about all the issues that's going on or what could happen to you if and when. And, you know, we, we get so caught up with the natural, amen, that the spiritual just kind of fades away at times. Amen. And we have to constantly be reminded that we are in a spiritual warfare and we're spiritual beings. Uh, and, and just to, to really understand, so, you know, even as we were in between flights, you know, we were traveling back over this way, and we were back, you know, going from at, from, from Virginia, you know, to Atlanta and to LAX. You know, as we were at LAX, a thought dropped in my spirit as we were walking through the concourse, getting ready to board the flight to the Hawaiian Islands. And, and even as I, I went to the men's room and I was washing my hands, just meditating upon this thought, then I began to share it with my wife. And the thing that the Lord dropped in my spirit was the fact that of the 7 billion plus people on this planet, as of October 2011, we officially on the planet Earth went over 7 billion people. You know, and over the last couple of years, we've already gone over 7.14 billion people on this planet. That's a lot of people. I mean, just to think about a crowd of a million, but you're talking about, you know, a billion, seven Billion people. How many know how many hundred, how many hundred thousands it takes to make a billion, or how many millions it takes to make a billion? See, there's a there's a big gap between a millionaire and a billionaire. You see, and see when you think about how many billions of people are here, he dropped in my spirit that of all the billions of people on this planet. You and I only get to see the world through one set of eyes. And I, you know, as I thought about that, I'm just, you know, it just begins, wow. Just, just think about it. Just think about that just for a minute. Sometimes we think we know it all and we got all the, the perspective on something and we understand it and the way we see it is the way it ought to be. But you're, you're, you're less than, I mean, I can even break the fraction down to where we are in the midst of seven point one billion people. How many and it, it just begins to help me to understand it. Maybe it each one of us understand how clearly minute and insignificant we can really be 
and we don't understand the big picture. And if we think it's just about how I feel and what I see and my understanding, in the midst of all this, we'll live out our entire existence without making any significant difference at all. That just messes me up. God, why did you just put me in the midst of, I mean, it's like one, you, you just, think about this, you just one grain of sand in a wheelbarrow. I want this to really sink in, amen, how important we really are without understanding who we are. That's the key. Because when we really understand who we are, in the midst of 7 billion people, you are very significant. And you can make a whole lot of difference, but first of all, you got to understand who you are in that wheelbarrow. Why you're here. Purpose and identity. That God has planned and ordained. Amen. From the foundation of the world. So that we can walk in. But it's easy for us to get tied up. And confused. And involved with all the, the distractions. And, and all the stuff that go on in life. And miss who we really are. And here's the kicker. In the midst of missing who we really are, we think we're doing something. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. So, I, you know, that, that's the kind of thinking that, you know, goes on in my mind. It's like, wow. <laughs> so, Lord, why? I know there's a greater reason. And God doesn't waste time making people just uh, get lost in, in, the, in the midst of, of confusion and obscurity. Uh, he has a perfect plan, a perfect purpose, and a perfect destiny for everyone. But if we miss out on what he's trying to say, and we, we don't step back and see the big picture and get involved in that, we can think we have a perfect life and we miss out on all the stuff that God has for us. So it really comes down to saying, okay, Lord, help me, help our understanding, reel us in so what is the real reason and the real purpose and the real destiny that you have for us? I mean, because when I stop and think, I'm looking at statistics, amen, as I was researching some of this, I'm looking at the statistics, and it, it, it's, it's amazing that we are, people are being born at more than twice the rate that they're dying. As of today. So it won't take long, and, you know, it's estimated that, that at that rate, you know, that this planet, is going to be full of people unless the Lord comes. We're going to be overrun with people. I looked at a, another statistic in the, the consumption. See, we are consumers, but we're not producers. And that's just not in the natural marketplace, but even in the kingdom. And we were talking about this coming back. We got more consuming Christians than producing Christians. And it don't take long to consume the resources, amen, when more people are consuming than are producing. Even at the rate that we're using the, our, our natural resource, such as oil on this planet, at the rate that we're using oil, it will be about 40 years and there won't be a single barrel of crude oil left. I received that one. Think about that. 40 years, when your kids, your little baby turns 40 years old, I'm, I'm praying that by then we got some alternate means of energy because they won't be able to buy a gallon of gas. 
We're consumers. Amen. So God created us to be producers. What did he tell them? I, I talked about this before I left. He said, you know, he, he, he gave us a mandate. Amen. To go and replenish and reproduce. He, he wanted us to be producers, not just consumers. So we got, we got some work to do. Amen. And, and we got a God that has empowered us to do it. Amen. But when you stop about who are you in the midst of seven billion people? See, we swear I'm a child of God. And I make a difference. Amen. But I got to know who I am. And I got to be ready to walk in who I am in order to make that difference. Otherwise, yeah, we're just, you know, we just ate up. Amen. And we're insignificant. Although we think we're significant, we might, you know, get a Heisman trophy for sports. Or we might do all these other things. But if you're not doing nothing with God, it don't matter. It don't, it don't amount to other things. You might live in a $4.5 million home, but if you ain't doing nothing for God, It don't matter. It's all over. You know, so it's really helping us to expand our, our thinking, expand our horizon. Amen. And unless we're willing to open up our thinking and really pursue the purposes of God and understand his plan for our lives, for our existence at this current time, you know, because this is where we are at this current time. Amen. Then everything else kind of just falls by the wayside. Amen. But if we would just open our minds and say, oh, I'm pursuing God's plan and God's purpose. And, and I want to work together in a collective of individuals of like mind that are doing the same thing. Not just, just walking according to their own understanding, but being led by the Holy Spirit. By digging into the word and yielding and surrendering themselves completely to the will and purpose of God, then we will make a significant difference no matter who we are, where we are. I think about the 12 disciples, 12 men turned the world, the then known world upside down. Because they were willing to do just that. Exactly what God said, doing. Not fearing for themselves, amen. Not trying to build their own kingdom, amen. But getting to the place that they understood the big picture as best they could. Because why? When Jesus came, amen, after his, his, his return, he sat down and he he, he opened up their understanding, the Bible says, so they could understand the scriptures. And once they had that deeper understanding, there was no turning back. So I challenge us, amen, we have to get a deeper understanding of the word of God so there's no turning back. I can't imagine, and this is me, and you know, but I've been walking this thing for 36 years. Amen. But this, I can't imagine not serving God. Now, I know that I'm not, you know, the only one in here that does my testimony. But I also know that's not everybody's testimony in here. I can't imagine, you know, not living for God. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around how, you know, things functioned in my life and in my early life before I, I came to God. Because there was always this question in my mind. What is the purpose? Why am I here? What is it all about? Even in elementary school, I remember walking to school and thinking and wondering, there's got to be more to it than this. And I'm only in fifth or sixth grade. I'm thinking, like, there's got to be more to life than this. You know, so, so it's hard to imagine, you know, not living for him, amen. But I thank God because even after all these years, he still showed me the bigger picture. And, and more and more understanding. And I, I thank God, amen. Because see, the devil don't want you to live for God. Let's tell somebody, the enemy wants to stop you today. Uh, he, he wants to mess us up. I mean, that's the whole I mean, because he, he messed his, his opportunity up. You know, so he, he's got, you know, 
one sole mission, and that's to mess us up. Amen. And not only him, imagine the influence that he had, because when he got cast down out of heaven, he didn't go by himself. You know, we, we've heard the statement, mystery love company. You know, but let's stop and think about this. When he got cast down out of heaven, the scripture tells us that one-third of the heavenly host, one-third of the angels, amen, he had some influence. One-third were cast down with him. I mean, he, he got him a posse together. Let's go and let's exalt ourselves. But he, he found out quickly that you can't override God. And they all got cast down together. And then, here we come. And they, all, they already know they haven't messed up. And now, here God creates man and woman and places us on planet Earth. And they're looking at, wait a minute, he's giving them an opportunity. We don't even get one again. So they're upset. And they're out to mesh as many of us up as they possibly can. And I'm talking about the devil and his imps. Amen. The scripture talks about the prince of the, you know, the principalities of powers of the air. He's the ruler of all of that. Amen. He's got assignments all over. He's got his regiments all over. Amen. Planet Earth. Amen. And they're assigned to mess us up and to keep us confused and to keep us busy, keep us distracted so we don't do the things of God. And sometimes, like I say, oftentimes we don't see the big picture. We don't, we don't see the, that alternate reality that, that's coming against us spiritually. We think everything is just natural. I'm here to remind us again that it's not. You know, let's, let's turn with me to the book of Matthew. I want, you know, I want us to see something. Hallelujah. Matthew, and we're going to go to the third chapter. Because the enemy even came to Jesus. Remember when he came to Jesus? We're going to take a look at that. He came to, to the Lord, and, and, and he was prepared, amen, to try and influence Jesus of all people. Amen. He came to him to tempt him. Huh? And he, he came to him with, with this phrase that if thou be. You know, we're going to take a look at it. And, and you know, he, he, this was the whole premise of his temptation is to cause Jesus, if he could, to doubt who he was. And in the third chapter of Genesis, starting at the 13th verse, it says, Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. See, Jesus understood this, that I have a purpose and I have a destiny. And, and, and here at this point, at 30 years old, he said, Now it's time for me to step into my purpose. It's time for me to step into my ministry. And there comes a time in our lives that we need to step into our purpose. Amen. Amen. Everything else laid aside and everything else going on is that we need to decide it's time for me. I know I done did this and I done sinned and I done backslid and I done came forward and I done, you know, I done done all these crazy things and I done said I changed and I didn't change. But there comes a time that you need to decide that I'm going to step into my purpose. You see, until you really step into your purpose, let me let you in on the clue. The devil don't got to mess with you. Say, well, I've been in church for 20 years. I've been in church for 15 years. Until you step into your purpose, the devil ain't worried about you. You can hang around church all your life and never step into your purpose. Never make a decisive decision that all that is done, I'm finished. 
with the past and I'm stepping into my purpose. I got anybody here that's ready to step into their purpose or already has stepped into their purpose. In other words, I'm tired of being distracted. I will not let the enemy stop me no more. I won't give in to my flesh any longer. My emotions and my feelings won't rule me no more because I'm stepping into my purpose in God. That's what he wants. That's what he's calling us to. But, but see, when he came to me, Jesus knew it's time. But he went to John to be baptized. He said, I have I have need to be baptized of thee. And coming down to me, now, now, look, look, John the Baptist said, wait a minute, I need you. But see, Jesus said, no, there's something I need to do. And Jesus answering, said unto him, suffer it to be so, for thus it becometh us to what? Fulfill all righteousness. See, see in other words, as I step into this, I'm going to fulfill all righteousness. This is necessary. Then he suffered it. Then Jesus when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Oh my goodness. I, I could pull out all these points, but I gotta get somewhere. Amen. But he saw the Spirit of God lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Not just with whom, but in whom I'm well pleased. There's a whole lot in that. Amen. Then when Jesus was lifted up of the Spirit, look what happened, into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, Pastor Linda alluded to the message that I spoke in Virginia, and this was one of the, it was a, you know, as Lord just led me through the preparation and the prayer and the meditation and that. You know, I begin to see all the things that Moses, not Moses, but Abraham, that he went through. And it was specifically, you know, and the reason that, you know, we looked at this because they were having the 10th anniversary. There were 10 specific trials that he went through in his life. And the offering of his son was the final one. 10 places where he was tested and he failed. 10 places where he stumbled and he messed up. 10 places he didn't fully trust God and he had questions and questions and questions. But yet, God didn't throw him away at number 8 or number 9. God didn't throw him away at number 7. God wasn't dealt with him at number 6. Because the Lord knew he was building him through all his mess-ups, through all his trials, through all his failures. The Lord knew I'm building him, I'm working on him, because there's going to come a day he's going to get it. Just tell your neighbor, one day you're going to get it. He knew there was a day that he was going to get it, and when he got it, there was going to be no turning back. None. That's why when he finally got there, he raised the knife over the son that he had waited for over 25 years for the promised son. And the Lord said, sacrifice and give him to me. And this boy was in his 20s at the time. He could have wrestled. But see, one thing I noted, the sidebar in that was the fact that he learned by watching his father. So he didn't resist because he trusted his father. Because his father trusted God. What are we teaching our children? Are you even able to make a sacrifice because of how you live? Oh my goodness. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm stirred up just by the thought of that. What have we imparted by our example, by our demonstration? Hallelujah. But he said, the Lord took him up in the spirit. Took him into the wilderness, into the hard place, the dry places, to be tempted of the devil. 
and said that when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward of hunger. Now see, this is, in other words, at his weakest time, physically. Say physically. physically. Make note of that. There's going to be times that you're weak physically. There's going to be times that you're weak emotionally. There's going to be times that you might feel weak financially. But we should never be weak spiritually. Not when we got our connection. Not when we're honed in with him. But he came to him when he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If thou be. No. I'm trying. I'm trying, Lord. He said, If thou be the Son of God. If you be a Christian. If you be a minister, if you be a deacon, if you be a child of God. Now see, this how he comes out of it. He might not say the words, but he's still throwing in on our face. When the press is there on the job, he's still throwing it on our face. He said, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and sitteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God. See, here we come again. Cast thyself down. For it is written, He that giveth his angels charge concerning thee, that in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus saith unto him, it is written. Well, he keep going back to the word. Test that. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. Wow. And the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Hallelujah. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Oh, my goodness. Not one time did Jesus rely on himself to fight the devil. Knowing who he was, knowing that he's the Son of God, knowing that all power wielded in his hand. Now, one time that he relied on anything within himself, but what did he arm himself with? I want us to get this. He armed, he's the Son of God. He armed himself with the Word of God. Can you imagine if every time the temptation, every time the test, every time your flesh rolls up, every time the trial came, amen, because we've been in that world, we can say, it is written. It's not me, but it's written. Now, I might want to do that, but it's written. And we got to add that to the fact that it says in his word that heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall abide forever. It's written. See, we, we don't just live by what's written. We'd be in a great safety zone. 
The enemy couldn't override what's written. And, and, and I, I want you to get this. When Jesus was saying this, he didn't even have the New Testament. You ever think about that? Now we got the New and the Old. We got twice as much as written to stand on. And we fail when we got fun. We're on with, we're on with the Word. We're on with the Spirit of God on the inside, and we still. Trying to help somebody this morning. Mm, help us, Lord. Look at verse number 11. Then the devil, leaving him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Now, I love that. This ain't the only time we see the angels coming to minister to Jesus once he's made a stand on the word. Uh, as soon as he's done, amen, they come and minister to him. I can imagine they hooked him up. Gave him all the strength, amen. Probably fed him. I mean, they just said, uh, you, you stood on the word now. Your strength comes when you stand on the word. Because one of the other times when we saw this happen is when Jesus finally stood in the garden, amen, at Gethsemane. Amen. And the enemy is tempting him again there. Not my will, but thy will be done. And then immediately the angels came again and ministered and strengthened him for what he had to endure because he stood on the word of God. He got himself out the way. Notice he never used himself, he used the word. But let's, let's take a look here. Let's, let's dissect this. This just short passage of scripture just for a few moments. It sounds all right. See, when the devil comes, the phrase that he's using is, if thou he said, he, he's, he's questioning. So when he comes to you, he's questioning your identity. And if you don't understand, if you don't know who you are, you'll begin to wonder, well, maybe I'm not. How many times have you wondered, am I really saved? Am I really a child of God? See, see it, it, the enemy's design is to get you to question because if you question, you may come up with the wrong answer. And then he's there helping you to come up with the wrong answer. He's there to help you to convince you that you're not. He's there to convince you that you're weak. He's there to convince you that it's alright to do it his way. So he throws a question out there. If you be a child of God. If you be. But look at this in this passage. The facts are this. The devil knew the scriptures. Because when Jesus quoted them to him, he couldn't go no further. Huh? He knew the word. Huh? So he's coming, amen. Remember how he quoted him? It's written that he told him it's written that if you if you should fall, if you die, if you cast yourself down, if you were able to fall, the enemy of him, he'll send his angels. That's right out of Psalms. The devil knew the word. He's quoting the devil, quoting Psalms to Jesus, yeah. trying to get him to sin. Yeah. <laughs> How many times the devil that came to you with the word? Misinterpreting the word. And trying to get you to step out there on the word. Because he knows the word. Don't, 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 try, don't try to match scripture with the enemy. He knows the word, amen. When he went to eat, mm, see. I'm trying, Lord. Lord. You know, when he went to Eve in the garden, he took the word. 
Phone ring for somebody to bring you some mess and some gossip. That's just another way. Now you can either choose to receive it or say it is written. Salvation. 
C'est avant pour construire ce vingt-dix jours chrétien. Hein Don't do this, but they'll get a 
commentary and read that and then go to the Bible. All you got is somebody else's opinion, and then you went to the Bible to verify their opinion. No. Read your word. I mean, I use commentary, but I, I, if, <laughs> if it don't line up with the word, I know how to throw the baby out with the, with the bad woman. I know how to get rid of their opinion because it don't line up with the word. There's a lot of good commentaries out there. There's a lot of good preachers, a lot of good teachers, a lot of good, you know, scholars out there, but everybody don't line up with the word. But if you don't understand the word, not up online, they, they can make a good case. There's some very, very powerful pastors and preachers and commentators out there. And then well-known commentators. I, if I said their name, most of them you know them and don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. Some well, well-known ones that tell you, you don't need to be baptized in water. But see, we'll grab a hold of this nugget that they said, which is good, but what about that? So we got to study to show ourselves approved. Pastor David said this. Well, you better go back and study and make sure Pastor David is right. Make sure it's lining up with the word. And if there's a question, you better go ask Pastor David and help him out. But if we don't take time to study, then we'll grab hold of one little lane and we'll stay right there because somebody made it sound wonderful. Oh, my goodness. So he says, study to show thyself approved. We must. And see, the only way you're going to be able to say it is written is you got to know it's there. And I love the fact that the scripture said, the Holy Ghost said, I'll bring all things to your remembrance, what I have told you. And as you study the word, you get the word. They said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Not your song. It's good to have a song in your heart. I love to sing. I love to, you know, sometimes I walk into the store singing and uh, uh, maybe I'm whistling the tune. You know, they say, you whistle good. You know, I'm like, hey, I ain't even paying no attention to them doing it. But that's not what's going to keep me. It's the word that's going to keep me. And I got to have the word. You got to have the word. We have to have the word down in our heart. And I remember when I was cruising and I was e five, in charge of the tour room. And I spent every day in that cruise in the word. And just had my own shop, my own little office. I'm sitting there and every time someone bothered me, I thought for a minute. But I, I'm playing the word 24, 12 hours a day. I got the tapes. I'm playing the word. I'm reading it. I got my work done. Amen. All that was good. I, you know, I wasn't slacking on my work, but I got the word. Amen. In me. That last time I saw those tapes, I had the blackbird was using them too. But I, I recorded all them things, and I would sit there, and I would listen, and I would read along with it, and I would study that word, and I'd go back over that word to get the word down on the inside. I could be, I could have been playing video games. I could have been going to the gym, getting buzzed and pumping up. You know, I could be sleeping. No. I wanted the word. I had a hunger. I still got a hunger and a desire for the word. That's what's going to keep us. So when the enemy's trying to tempt you, amen, and say, well, no, it, it's written. The word is in me. Now, but I want you to go somewhere. Because I said the enemy tried this very thing with, with from the beginning. Go to Genesis, the third chapter. And, and I'm, I'm going to show you something. We're fighting this thing, amen. If I was going to put a title on this message today, hallelujah. See, because one thing I loved about Jesus, when I read that passage in the beginning, I'm like, wow. Jesus knew all these things, even though the enemy is tempted. Jesus was able to stand and not equivocate at all. Why? Because Jesus knew who he was. He understood who he was. And he had nothing to prove. 
and everything to gain. And that's what I would name this message. Nothing to prove. Everything to gain. Now, if you listen to me, and you realize that most of our struggle in life, most of our challenges in life come from the fact that we try to prove something. Huh? We try to prove who we are. We try to prove how strong we are. How smart we are. How great we are. Prove what we can do. Stand our ground. We want to be, you know, we, we want all this because we focus on ourselves. But once you really understand who you are in God, you know you got nothing to prove. I don't need to prove nothing to nobody. I don't need no one's accolades. See, this is where you got to get. Amen. I don't need no one's accolades. I don't need the pat on the back. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, no, I, no, no, no. I ain't got nothing to prove. Uh, because I know who I am. And see, that's the, that's the statement that God wants us to be able to make. We got to be like Jesus. He had nothing to prove. Amen. He wasn't trying to get nowhere. He wasn't trying to get from anywhere. He was simply there to do the will of God. And he understood that. He said, I say nothing unless that's what my father says. I do nothing unless it's what my father is telling me to do. He never tried to prove. Every time the, the scribes and Pharisees came to him, he didn't have to prove anything. He just put the word back on he just stood on the word, stood on the will of God. Challenged them rather than allowing them to challenge him. And see, that's where we got to be able to stand. We got to be in a place, amen, that when the world comes against us, when circumstances come against us, we know how to stand. Because I ain't got nothing to prove. I just challenge you by me standing on the word. By me being who I know I am, understanding who I am. Amen. And you can't take me out of that place. Once I understood it, because like he was talking about demons, now I know. Now God knows. Because I've been tried. Because you've been tried. And you've been tested. And you've passed the test. Amen. And you will not go back. Yeah, we've made some failures. Oh, yeah, I had some failures in my life, in my past. Amen. And, and things. But yet, now God has got me in a place that, you know what? Ain't no backing down. Ain't no backing down. I'm sorry. You can do whatever you want. It's not, I, I, it, 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 I'm hard pressed to think of what would shake me in my faith. Now, and he said something, but be careful what you say about the baby, isn't he? I ain't worried about him. Because I know he's subject to my God. He's subject to my God. And see, just like, just like Job, he can't bring nothing to me unless God approves it. Yeah, it might be rough, it might be hard, but if God approves it, I can get through it. See, we got to have that kind of mindset made up. And I'm trusting God in the good, the bad, and the ugly. You got to know who you are and make a stand in that. The Genesis 1, 6, 1, 3, I'm sorry. Verse number 1. Said, not a serpent, serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, I see, look at it. He, he liked messing with the word. Hmm? He didn't have a written word, so he got to go on what God said. He said, God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the servant, the first mistake, having a conversation, we may eat 
of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree, of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. In other words, they're right in the middle of the garden. God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now look what the enemy does. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He just added one word to the truth and made it all up. Uh, one word. She said, the Lord said, you will surely die. He said, you shall not surely die. See, how many times you done messed up the truth, man, messing with us? So, so we find out, he said, for God hath, God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof. Now look what he says, though. Then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So notice, he, 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 he has tempted her. He has said something to her that got her attention. I can be like God. My eyes will be open. I'll go good and evil. And God knows this. So what's he doing? He's made it seem like this great God who said you can have everything is withholding something from you. Imagine He's holding back. He's not being fair. I'm like, wow. And then in the sixth verse, now, I want you to pay attention in this sixth verse. And the woman, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she saw those three things. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Now hold your finger there and go back to John 1. In the second chapter. First John, I'm sorry. First John. There's a connection here. And I want us to get it. She saw three things. It was good for food. Pleasant to the eyes. And was desired to make one wise. But look what he says over in John, 1 John 1. I mean, I'll keep on messing up here. 1 John, the second chapter. I'm just excited, though. Verse number 15 and 16. 15 verse says, Look not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's, that's power. Notice, he, he didn't say, you can't have the things that are He said, don't love them. Huh? See, sometimes we're so in love with those, we put them ahead of God. We love that more than we love God. I'm pursuing the world and the things of the world more than I'm pursuing God. I'm working hard on my job than I'm working on my salvation. Can I go on? Huh? I'm with my relationship because I love my relationship. More than I love God. I love my body, my flesh. More than I love God. Realize this, your flesh is a thing. Your flesh is a thing of the world. It was made from the dust of the ground. Your flesh is not you. But when you love that flesh more than you love God, you're pleased to the desires of the flesh more than you're pleased to the desires of God. I'll try to help somebody this morning. But look at the 16th verse. He said, for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh. 
and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And what was he offering Eve? It's a tree that desired for food, the lust of the flesh. Oh, goodness. And then he told her it's pleasant to the eyes. Oh, my goodness. The lust of this world, life. And then he said also, amen, it'll make you wise, the pride of life. Same three tricks from the garden John is warning us about. That that's all this in the world. And if you stop and think about every sin, everything that we fall into falls in one of these categories. Everything that we struggle with falls into one of these categories. When you ferret it down to the base of what it is, one of these areas that we're falling in. we got to catch us because we don't know who we are without saying it's written. If we don't have to say it is written more than I want. Oh my goodness. Then we'll get what God wants us to have. But if we keep on saying I want, I, 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 I. What have you written that will save your soul? Something, amen, through 
this ministry, amen, and through this people, amen, in this region. But we've got to get to a place, amen, to say, I'm surrendered to that, God. It's just not about building my house and, and paying off my car. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot more to it than what God wants to do. But he's looking for volunteers, amen. He's looking, see, I, I, I use that word properly, volunteers. Because you've got to give yourself. Which the Bible lets us know is your reasonable service. But he's not going to force any of us, amen, to fully recognize who he is so we can really understand who we are, amen, and accomplish what he wants us to, wants to do through us. As long as we're focused on our own little world, then we can't really be used to God like he wants to be used. We can't accomplish everything that God wants to accomplish through us, amen, if we think it's about us. Oh. Um, what are you saying, Pastor Ray? I'm trying to help us to understand that you have nothing to prove as a child of God. And too often we're still trying to prove something. something. But you have to get to a place to know who you are. And I ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. You're a creature just like I am. You're a part of creation, and all this that we see and all this that surrounds us is a part of creation, just like we are. Why am I trying to prove creation to creation? The problem is we're too busy trying to prove who we are than just being who we are. If you just be who you are, just be a child of God, just get in His Word and allow it to, to, to grow in you, then you've got to prove nothing to nobody. Who is man that we need him to affirm us? When we've already been affirmed. I said we've already been affirmed. When he went to the cross, amen, when he called you to salvation, we've already been affirmed. We've already been chosen. But we want everybody else to approve us. Just be who you are in him. Living for him. And when people act crazy, that's okay. The Bible already told us that tests and trials are going to come. Tribulations will come. But that's not going to change who you are. I'm going to stand through the test. I'm going to stand through the trial. And maybe he put me in this difficult situation just to glorify him. But if I don't get it, I think it's about me. And it's okay. I don't know who I am. I start defending myself when people come against me. Amen. If I don't know who I am, amen, I think it's them that's coming against me rather than them being used by the enemy to come against me. So I can pray for them that the enemy get off. Amen. Perspective. When we understand the spiritual warfare, when we understand the big picture, things take on a whole different appearance, a whole different look. Amen. And we're able to combat it from a whole different angle because it's not what's coming from me. Just as we've seen with Jesus, it didn't, it's not what came from him, but it's, I'm an ambassador. I'm a representative yeah. of the Lord. And yeah. then whatever he says, I'll do. Wherever yeah. he sends me, I'll go. And when the enemy comes and tries to question me, hallelujah. And I know someone's going to be in question constantly, amen. We, we get hit with those questions. But we got to know who we are. we got to try. If, if you don't know nothing else, if you don't know anything else, you need to know who you are in God. Amen. That should be without doubt. 
Because if you, you can move on and say, well, I'm called to do this and I'm called to do that. But dude, I'm not talking about your calling. I'm talking about your knowing who you are in God. Apart from the calling. Apart from the gift. Apart from the talent. Knowing who you are in him. And he loves me. And I'm empowered by him. His word is there to back me up. I don't got to back myself up. I don't got to convince nobody. See, 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 let me, let me help you. I'm about to close, but let me, let me help you. As long as you try to convince people that you're a child of God, God's going to use them to bring down. As long as you're looking for somebody to affirm you, the very ones that affirm you are the very ones that can cut your legs off.
and vice versa. Sometimes we say, I would if they or if he. Your relationship with God has nothing to do with anybody else. It's got nothing to do with how they see you. It's got nothing to do with what they know about you. Or what they think they know about you. But it's got everything to do with what you know about God. And he's revealed himself to you. And as you stand in that relationship, everything else has got to come in order. Everything else takes on a whole different perspective. Because if I lose everything I have, I can stand here today and say, if I lose everything I have, I will not let go of God. Because I know who I am in God. I know my identity. And I'm not talking about as a pastor, as a person. Because I had to get this before I could really be a pastor. already proven to you that he loves you. He's already proven to you that he was willing to die for us. Call us unto himself. So, what? I can't express how I feel this. What can we prove anyway?
already accepted. I am already accepted. Come on, say it, say it. I am already accepted. I am already accepted. Because he has called me to salvation. Honey. And once we understand that, now we can step into our identity. I have to step into our purpose. No longer held back. Because of past issues and fears. But what people say and what people think. He's making a way. He's making a way. He's 
Lord, we thank you for Danny. Hallelujah, Lord, as we watched him grow in you over the years, Lord. Now that his heart is set on you. Father, as he goes, as he leaves this place, Lord, he's leaving, representing you. He's leaving here, lifting you up, God. Lord, and I believe that his life is already completely surrendered over to you. So, Father, we ask you right now, God, as you go before him, continue to let your favor be upon his life. Continue to use him, Lord, to speak into the lives of those around him, God. You've already called him, Lord, to a place of leadership in your walk, in his walk with you, God. Lord, let him not shy away from it. Let him not turn away from it, God. Let him, Lord, with all confidence in you to embrace it to the full. Lord, that he might draw others and lift others up, hallelujah, to the level that you want them to walk in. You've made him a light. You've made him an example, God. And we thank you for it right now. And we give you all the glory. Keep your hand of protection, Lord, upon him. We thank you how you've made way for you, a God of provision. Lord, even beyond this school, God, we already see the favor going before him, Lord. Let's continue to education career, God, and the things that you've set his heart to do. Lord, we already call him into existence right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, that his name will be made great because of you. Hallelujah. His love to you. So we thank you right now, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
opportunity to sow into your kingdom, God. Lord, that we can bring our tithes and our offerings into your kingdom, Lord, to participate, Lord, in what it is you're doing, God. And you said you give seed to the sower, God, and bread to the eater. And we thank you right now, Father, because we know it is you, not us, Lord. It is you that supplies our every need. And you give us the strength even to go on our job, God. 